podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. to Celtic State of Minds. I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined by Laura Bradburn and Kevin McCluskey to look back on what ended up as a convincing 3-0 victory over Ross County. Um, you contrast this post-match reaction bulletin, Laura, to our half-time chat. Um, it was kind of night and day. We were talking about, and a lot of the comments were talking about, a Yeti's first half performance. You wanted to go out and win 3 nothing, and you wanted a goal from a Yeti. You got both of that. In fact, you got two goals from Albion. A Yeti, let's have a wee chat about that first half, Laura. Let's sum it up, the, the second half, rather. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think like what we said, the, the once the first goal came, the kind of momentum of the game changed as we expected it to. Yeah, we had that little bit of luck with the, the deflection for the Carter Vickers shot. But after that, you know, Ayeti seemed to be taking up better positions in the second half, which was part of the reason why he got the goals. Um, obviously, the, the header from the cross from Abada, he was in exactly the right position. But you have to give him credit for the second goal that he scored as well. You know, without, although it was off a rebound, you know, it's as much part of a striker's job to be in the right place to catch a rebound as it is to be you know, finishing off chances the way the way we'd want to come to as well. So, yeah, all round a much more positive second half. There are a couple of vital reasons for that. I think was um, Montgomery and, and McCarthy both making massive differences when they did come on, which I'm sure we'll get to. But yeah, a lot more positives to come out of the second half than than the first half for sure. Yeah, I mean, we spoke a few weeks back about the anticipation uh, of Kyogo, Laura, because we've been very impressed with the fact that, you know, he's just reading these moments um, and he's reading rebounds from saves, etc. And that's exactly what Ayeti did. At half-time, Kevin, what was your thoughts on Ayeti's thrown in? People are saying it's a last-chance saloon for him. He's given this opportunity due to an injury to Kyogo and a lack of match fitness to our new signing, Giacomakis. Um, and it didn't look great at half time, but he seemed to turn around in the second half. He did, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of sympathy and a lot of time for a Yeti. 
Um, mainly because I don't think he was given a chance last season at all. I never really seemed to get a sustained run in the team. Um, and Kenda became probably a whipping boy for the fans because he just he didn't hit the ground running. He wasn't scoring goals. We needed someone up front that could do that. Um, I definitely don't think he could have written him off after his first half today because he's, he's totally coming in cold to this game. Um, but I think as, as it went on, he definitely improved. His movement, as Laura said, it was better in the second half. He was getting in the spaces that we want to see a penalty box striker getting into. Because I think that's his game. I'm not sure that he's a again, totally and centre-forward. He's not really got the, the movement that Kyogo's got. But I think if the ball's in the box and it's loose, he's the guy that, that I think it's his game that he'll be there to put those chances away. And both these goals kind of came through that kind of thing today. There's plenty of individuals I want to discuss, but a couple that have already been mentioned by Laura, we'll go back over them initially. First and foremost, that obviously that uh, the, the header that came off the bar was by James McCarthy. Now, this is the third cameo that we've seen of James McCarthy. We've had a few uh, roundups of the transfer window, Laura, where some people were saying that that cost might be Liam Scales. I suggested, you know, if we can get McCarthy fit, he might be the he might be the dark horse simply because he's the type of player that had we signed him in any of the previous twelve transfer windows, would it, it would almost be like a marquee signing. We'd all have been really excited about it. The fact that he's not played a massive amount of football in the last three seasons has probably tempered that enthusiasm a wee bit. But and I'm not going to get overly ecstatic about uh, another cameo appearance. But I think what you're starting to see with McCarthy, who came on and played. Uh, I think it was 13 minutes. He came on for for Rogic uh, for 13 minutes, but he's so composed when he's got that ball, isn't he? I mean, he was he was the type of player. He's he's two touches. He, he gets the ball from the defence. He starts linking up that play. He transitions it very quickly to um, attack. Uh, he done it a couple of times with Abada, and you know I, I don't think I'm I'm getting um, uh, I don't think I'm overreacting by saying that you know as the season goes on, if we can get a match fit, keep a match fit. I think he'll be key this season. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I know he wasn't a, a straight swap for McGregor. I think McGregor uh, came off and Sorrell came on and I think McCarthy, if I'm not mistaken, was a substitute for Rogic. So he wasn't a straight swap, but the shape changed slightly in the middle and he was sitting back with with, with um, Sorrell as well. McGregor, to me, was having one of those games today where every touch was getting away from him a little bit. He looked like he couldn't get his foot on the ball. He couldn't get a hold of the game. He couldn't get control of the game. Like you say, composure was the word that summed up what, what James McCarthy brought to the team when he came on. He slowed the play down a little bit. He allowed us to to just control the game a little bit more and to perhaps you know set up a situation whereby the passes and the, the forward runs and stuff by the, the players ahead of him were, were be able to be found better because he had control of the ball and then obviously you know he still does offer something going forward even at 30 years old um that he is able to you know make late runs into the back post like he did find that pocket of space and although he didn't put the header away it was it was that run and that chance that that gave a yeti second goal as well so and and I'm I'm saying that from the point of view of being somebody who I have to admit was not overly enthused by the signing of James McCarthy, partly because I thought we've been linked with him for so long that he was obviously not an Ange signing and also I was concerned about the injury problems and things like that. But 
as much as you say, oh, it's just a cameo, if he can do that kind of thing to close out games for the rest of the season, that's as effective a role as you need from somebody like that in the team. And I'd be happy to see him do that plenty more times. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Sometimes it is closing out the game. And when you look at it, Laura, you know, um, we're 67 minutes in and it could have been an equaliser. It could have been all so different because I think Joe Hart has made, talking about anticipation, he's anticipated where the ball's gone there. It was a tremendous save, Kevin. It was. Um, sitting watching that and it's one of those ones that we've seen this movie so many times the other way around, you know, we lose that goal, or sorry, we miss that chance, and the other team goes down the park and scores the goal. So that was a huge save from Joe Hart in the crucial time. If we lose that goal, one all, we, were, we weren't as in the ascending stage we should have been. So I'm not sure that the that team would have been able to come back and win the game. We're probably seeing out a one all draw, uh, dropping another two points early doors in the season. So I don't think you can underestimate the, the significance of that save. And then actually going down the park and getting the goal ourselves and being clinical for the first time there for a long time. Mm. No, you're right, because it's, it's, you know, these margins, he saves that, that shot in 67 minutes, 69 minutes, two minutes later, and, and we open the scoring up to 2 nothing, and that's a completely different complexion. Um, and as Laura says, we then bring on players like McCarthy to close the game down and actually see it out and we get a third goal. Joe Hart, Laura, you, you know, you've got that, that moment that is pivotal in the game, but also you've got his passing. I mean, just in the last couple of minutes there, it was a great cross-field pass that any um, you know, midfield player would have been happy with. Brilliant pass. Um, he's given the, the, the captain's armband, the third player to have it in the day. Um, and I just think that he has been, you're right, he's a legacy signing. I mean, we, there was an interview during the week there with Anthony Joseph of Sky Sports talking about the fact that Hart, uh, there, was, there was interest in Hart when we signed Barkas. He's, he's part of this um, dossier of players that, uh, most clubs have got you know you've got your scouting reports on them uh, we couldn't do the deal last year we've done it this year I, I think you know you take for granted sometimes when you've had a, a period of time uh, where you're not worried about your goalie you know you've got Craig Gordon you've got Fraser Foster you go further back you've got Arthur Boric and I know he had a blunder or two but you know the goalkeeper was never really an issue Laura and for the first time in probably a year and a half I'm thinking we're, we're kind of edging towards that situation again with Joe Hart Yeah I mean I, my my thoughts on Joe Hart when he came in were well publicised that I, I wasn't sure how much of a success he was going to be and what a, what a divide he might be in the dressing room he seems to have had exactly the opposite effect to the, to the one that I thought he would have um, as Kevin said, that that shot that he saved was absolutely fantastic, you know. And and as you've said there, like you almost take for granted that a goalie's going to do these things until you have one that doesn't do it. And when we had Barkas in goal, when we had Bain in goal, when we had Hazard in goal, you were never convinced at any point that they were going to. Um, come out on top against any striker or any shot that came in. Whereas with Joe Hart, the pendulum's slowly swinging the other way and you're starting to feel actually he's going to be one of these situations like a, a Schmeichel in years gone by or, or, or like a Casillas or a Buffon or something like that where strikers are actually going to be intimidated by the fact he's between the sticks, certainly domestically anyway. And they're going to see him as something hard to get past. And, and we need that at Celtic Park because 
it, it's become a it had become a situation last season where where teams thought you know we might not get very many chances, but at least if the ones we do get, it's only Barcast between the sticks or it's only Bain or something, we should be able to put it past them. So, yeah, I've been really encouraged by what he's done, not just with his shot stopping. I think he's improved his um, distribution somewhat. Um, and I think he's just brought a winning mentality to the team that I think was missing. Um, and, and he's not apologetic for it whatsoever. He he came in, he gets stuck in, he's seen an opportunity here to make an impact and he's certainly doing that. Yeah, and you know, you're, you're looking at that performance today and it's everything that we've not had. I mean, thinking back to that West Ham debacle, uh, one of the goals where Barkas's positioning was schoolboy stuff. He was miles away. I mean, I mean the gap that he left at the, the near post was astonishing. Um, and then his performance against Mitchelland and, you know, you just knew no matter what we're going to do here, we're not going to get a goalkeeping performance out of this this player. And then you look at Joe Hart today, he's passing the ball around, which Hans likes. He is getting the ball in very quickly, Laura, uh, for the ball boys. So he's, you know, <laughs> he's not losing a second. He's got the captain's armband, which shows you how um, in high esteem he is held in terms of a senior player and then he does what he's paid to do and he makes the save when it matters so uh, yeah that is definitely one thing I don't have big concerns about these days which uh, is is great because obviously there has been major concerns in the last 18 months about the defence and the goalkeeper so let's have a wee chat about the man of the match and Carter Vickers I mean he opens the scoring with a speculative effort he gets the bounce, absolutely brilliant, and uh, it deflects in over the goalie. But overall, his performance, Kevin, it was commanding. He does a lot of the kind of defensive stuff that you tend to take for granted, but we've not been doing it well enough, you know, winning headers. Um, he's, he seems very comfortable with the ball at his feet as well, uh, which I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with. What was your take on your first showing of uh, Carter Vickers in the hoops of Celtic, that is? Yeah, I thought his debut performance today was everything you want from a debut. He was calm and composed in the ball. He won every header, I think, every tackle he went for. He's just pretty solid, did all the simple things. And like you say, the things you want a centre-half to do, he was going out and doing them. And we haven't had someone doing that job for long enough. Uh, so I think just, just having him doing that just brought a calmness along the back line and it, it, it rubbed yeah. off on Starfelt. He probably had one of his better performances for us today as well. Like you said, that at half time he looked pretty composed in the ball. His distribution was improved. Um, and I'd say a lot of that must go down to Carter Vickers. Obviously, getting the goal, huge slice of luck in it. But it's the luck that maybe we don't always get. So, aye, it's about time that went our way. But on, on the whole, really good performance for a debut. Um, and you'd like to think as well, he'll only get better as he settles in. No, you're right, because, I mean, he's, he's not been at the club for a long period of time. Many of the players have been on international duty. Uh, I often get concerned about throwing a player in under those circumstances. I mean, Starfelt himself was thrown into the game at Tynecastle. He was criticised in some quarters with his performance that night. But um, I've always kind of said, Laura, that you know he seems to do the defensive stuff pretty well, Starfelt. It's when he's got the ball at his feet. But, you know, if you were to watch today's game, he did seem pretty comfortable um, and it must help to have uh, a bit of uh, solidity beside him. We felt before the game, though, Laura, that it was quite harsh on Stephen Welsh. Mm. However, if uh, Carter Vickers plays like that, you can't drop him, can you? No. Um, and, and Jim on the Friday bulletin with us always says, uh, 
players are fine unless you can get somebody better. And if you can get somebody better, you should. And I, I love Stephen Welsh. I think he's a great young player. I think he has done more than enough to, um, you know, sort of be dismayed at having been left out today. But you can't argue that, that out of him and Carter Vickers, on the look of it initially, Carter Vickers is a better option, so you're going to have to go with him. The other thing is, Ange was never going to drop Starfelt, given that we've only recently spent four and a half million pounds on him, and he seems to be finding his feet. So, um, yeah, I, I feel for Stephen Welsh, but unfortunately, that's the nature of, of professional football, and there's only one thing for him to do if he's if he's that dismayed at being left out of the team. He just needs to keep doing what he's doing in training, and, and hopefully, he'll get his chance again. I think Carter Vickers will be much more tested than he was today. But again, as I keep saying, you can only play what's put in front of you and he more than passed the test. Yeah, and it gives us that, um, you know, that situation that we've not had for a while, Laura, where, you know, you just need to look at the Midgillan game where we're playing Dane Murray and Stephen Welsh and that's your centre-half partnership. Um, you know, and before that, it was Welsh and Beaton. Now we've got four once Julian comes back four centre-halves that you know there, there would be far more confidence in all four of them um, and as you say whoever is of the four the two that are playing uh, the best they, st- they stay in the team and that, that really is a luxury talking to beat on I, I didn't actually mention this before the game he must have picked up a knock somewhere along the line because he wasn't even on the bench today, was he? So, uh, Beaton, if anyone knows the scenario with uh, near Beaton, because we've also got, obviously, James A. Forrest missing today. Um, and, you know, when he comes back, then he's pushing a badder. But I want to speak about uh, Jota on the left-hand side. We spoke long and hard about him during the week. I think in the first half, he was very impressive, but he seemed to fade a wee bit in the second half. But in saying that though, Kevin, a lot of the focus was on Abad on the right-hand side, so I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah, I think you're right in saying that. Uh, first half, uh, from what I saw, Nyota was really involved a lot. Most of the, the play was coming down the left-hand side. Uh, a couple of chances, a couple of cross balls in. Second half again, yeah, he probably did fade a little bit, but it's his first game. He's getting used to, to life here as well. Um, I'm not actually sure how much football he's played recently before moving, so it could just be a natural tiredness that you know he, he was going to drift out of the game, and had Taylor not gone off injured, maybe Montgomery would have come on for him in the more advanced role. That may have been the plan with no Forest on the bench, um, but also as you say, like, you know, Abada stepped up in the second half. He was quiet first half, stepped up in the second half, became a lot more involved. Um, once their left back got booked, it was natural, I think to play everything down or more down the right-hand side to let him run at the full-back. So, yeah, I'm not overly concerned that he drifted out of the game. Maybe if this becomes a feature of his game in five, ten games' time, we can worry about it. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But not today, and I think he showed enough glimpses to say that it's going to be an exciting player and someone that we're going to enjoy watching. Yeah, I mean, we were talking during the week, Laura, about that uh, prospect of having a fully fit Kugo through the middle and uh, Abada and Yota firing on all cylinders left and right. I think we've seen enough, even just in that one game there, that it, it could be a very exciting prospect for Celtic fans. Yeah, I mean... Um... Celtic have a long and proud history of having those type of players that, that are wide players who get fans off their seats. It's one of the frustrating reasons why, uh, or, or one of the reasons I'm so frustrated we've not seen more of Karamoko Dembele. Um, I know injuries played a part in that this season, but you know we, we love a player who who can provide us with that excitement and that bit of skill. And yeah, a little bit of unnecessary, you know, trickery and stuff like that, that does give you a bit of entertainment. It doesn't always, um, it, it doesn't always uh, sort of be needed there to, to get the end product. But if you can combine a bit of that with the end product, then, then it's something that Celtic fans always love to see. I think with Jota, um, as as both you and Kevin were saying, the, the focus of the play seemed to switch over to Abada and he was seeing an awful lot more of the ball. So you can't really say that because Jota was quiet, they was necessarily having a bad game. He didn't particularly do anything wrong when he did have the ball. And like I said in the first half, I think he'll adapt to the team a little bit more and make runs that are more the type of um, runs that the midfield are looking for. And equally, they'll, they'll get used to what he's doing on the ball. But, you know, some of the wee touches he was making, some of the ways he was going past players, you know, a, a bit more time, uh, getting a bit more settled and a bit more experience in the league. And I think he's going to be certainly one to watch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, would, I, would, I would second that point now that it just takes time for him to settle in the team. Because there was a few times kind of towards the end of the first half, I noticed he was making a run in the past when Turnbull was going behind him. So yeah. Turnbull's looking for a different movement. Yota's uh, looking for things to be more ahead of him. So, a couple of more weeks in the training pitch, and that gets ironed out. And yeah, I've, I've no worries about him going forward. No, absolutely. The, my only concern at the moment on the playing side, we won't labour everything behind the scenes because I'm sure we'll chat about that as it develops. But on the playing side is the fact that we are still weak in certain areas in terms of depth. We don't have the depth. I mean, that was a, a fairly weak bench. Before I speak about Montgomery, just a reminder, another um, iconic Celtic winger who came in as a right winger and moved on to the left wing when we signed David Proven was indeed the late Johnny Doyle. And uh, We caught up with Paul McQuaid the other week there to speak about the biography, the long-awaited biography. I think we've been waiting about 10 years for it since its inception, the idea anyway, um, of the biography of Johnny Doyle. So there's a full interview. I think it's about an hour long and it will be on a Celtic State of Minds YouTube channel tomorrow night. So get tuning into that. That's the Axon Retrospective, the first episode of which was an interview with Mike Galloway 
Um, and tomorrow it will be an interview with Paul McQuaid, who gives a tremendous insight into a much-loved and much-missed Celtic figure in Johnny Doyle. So tune in tomorrow night, get on the YouTube channel just now, why not subscribe and stick on the notifications as well so you don't miss that kind of content. And if you do subscribe, you are in line for a prize. And if you heard a clatter earlier on, that's because one of the prizes has just fallen <laughs> off the wall. So I'm hoping that the frame isn't actually broken because I'll need to get it reframed. Um, I want to talk about Montgomery for a wee bit, but Strange Love the Doctor comes in to say, well done Celtic, very professional performance. Yeah, it was. We never panicked, did we, as, as, a, as a team. Uh, delighted for Carter Vickers on his debut, deserved player of the match, but I have to congratulate Ayeti on both his goals too. Ooh, and myself, correct score prediction and scorer. Well, you and Laura both. Um, so yeah, big credit to Ayeti. And of course, with the situation coming up uh, on Thursday against Betis, um, you're not going to be expecting Giacomacus, even if he is fit by that, that moment in time, and I don't think he will be, or anyone else to be replacing Ayeti. So he'll be a, a certain starter, I would guess, Laura, in our first Europa League group game. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, to be too negative about Thursday, but we're, we're going away from home and you imagine that his role is going to change significantly compared to what it was today. I think he's going to be required, him and both whoever the wide players are playing up front, to be more of an outball um, against Betis, certainly, certainly in the uh, early part of the match um, because that's just the nature of the way things are when you're playing away in Europe. I think we're going to have to batten down the hatches and do the old keep it tight for 20 minutes or whatever the whatever the kind of cliche is. Um, so he is going to have a slightly different role, perhaps a role that's more suited to him than the one he was expected to play today. So I, I don't see things changing going into Thursday. Um, I don't think they're required to. What I do hope is that Yakimakis might be on the in the position to be on the bench on Thursday and, and perhaps uh, see out part of the game, depending on how the result goes. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything up front going into Thursday, primarily because I think it's going to be a different style of play. I'm just sitting here wishing I'd stuck a fiver on my prediction before the match started now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, every time I get the prediction right, Generally, I feel the same, Laura. Uh, Kevin, when we're looking at the Europa League group games, uh, there is always an excitement around European football. We would have liked for it to be in a Champions League. We simply were nowhere near ready for it, you know, for the qualifiers. Um, we are more ready for these games, but we're coming up against some quality opposition. And later on, we'll be coming up against a side you know loads about. Uh, since we last spoke about Ferenc Varos, uh, what update can you give us on them? Yeah, um, they played earlier on today in one of the many Budapest derbies against uh, Honved. Uh, it was an away game at the Bojic and they won it 1-0. Uh, it was a goal by Pockmark, who everybody will remember from that goal last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, um, it wasn't a great game to be honest with you, they went down to 10 men midway through the first half and then it was just kind of they managed the game very well I'll be honest, I'll say it wasn't an exciting game but they, they soaked up any pressure that Honved put on them kind of very professional performance and saw it through one nothing without ever being in any danger of losing that Mm-hmm. I mean, Honved, that's ringing bells because we played them in the late 80s and I'm sure they beat us one nothing away from home and we brought them back to Celtic Park and beat them 4-0 uh, 
I seem to remember Billy Stark and maybe McAvenny scoring. So a wee blast from the past there on on Honved. And uh, we will obviously be covering the game again uh, on Thursday night against Betis. Now, when you're looking at the performances of others who have come in, who've played their way into the side, do you think, who maybe a couple of weeks ago uh, might not have started? I mean, I'm thinking... Uh, the right-back position now, uh, there's a nice headache to have because Shiranovic had a, a particularly solid game uh, at right-back. I mean, he can play a bit as well. Yeah, you know, that back heel that he had um, was just sublime. Um, and obviously, we've got a decision to make because, you know, we've got, uh, I hope, we'll have Tony Ralston coming back uh, at that stage as well. And again, it's great just to have that option, Laura, but when it comes down to it, who do you play if both players are fit on Thursday night? I think, unfortunately for Tony Ralston, to me, Juranovic looks more like the type of player I would want to have at right back. He looks as if he's got great distribution. He looks as if he, he probably could handle the atmosphere of an away match in Seville um, as well as anybody could. Um, I'm not saying he could necessarily do it better than Ralston, but I think I think as good as Ralston has been this season, um, Europe will be another step up and I would like to stick with, with Juranovic as far as that's concerned. Looking at the left-back position, I mean, assuming assuming Taylor's even available after what, what looks like a recurrence of his shoulder injury, I, I thought one of the big differences today and one that I would like to stick with going forward is, is Adam Montgomery. I thought he was so dynamic going forward. I thought he was so... Um, energetic and I, and I personally like I, I've said it before Greg Taylor for me leaves a lot to be desired and I think if you ask me to pick out of the two of them who I would prefer to see in the starting lineup, um, then I would have to say Montgomery but then I wanted Laxalt to stay last season so would I know <laughs> Imagine bringing that up again Kevin um, just as you were talking about Montgomery um, Gigi made made uh, a similar point he offers so much more than Taylor he must be first choice going forward I mean Taylor the reoccurrence of that that shoulder issue that he had. He's got a habit of looking like the most disappointed man on, on the planet when he's walking off injured. But I think when you look at Juranovic, going back to your previous point, Laura, he looks so comfortable playing in that inverted fullback role. You know, it, mm. it doesn't matter if he's picking the ball up in the midfield. He's so comfortable with the ball at his feet. Distribution's good. Uh, Link-up plays really, really good. Uh, and I think it's got to be done at a certain tempo and a certain pace, which I don't think uh, Taylor's there yet. I actually don't think even though we've praised him, that Starfield's quite there, you know, the actual pace and the tempo, but he's getting up to speed. Um, so, yes, when you're looking at, at Thursday night, it would be a big shout, but I'm going to say something here. I don't think Montgomery has ever let Celtic down. I mean, he had a few performances last season under very difficult uh, circumstances early on. I know he came in near the end under Kennedy as well. But this season, particularly, Kevin, he, he, he looks like a really good prospect and you know what? He's got a bit of steeliness about him as well. You know, he's not scared, scared to go toe-to-toe on the physical aspect, but he's very silky. Um, I know that a couple of things haven't come off for him, but he's trying. He really is trying the creative side of the, the game going forward. So I think we've got a really good prospect in Adam Montgomery. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, I've looked at him in games when he's been coming on, certainly at the start of the season, and been thinking, I'm not sure. Is, is he too young? Is he too raw? No. Has he been converted enough into being a fullback to come and play that role? But every game, he just seems to impress me a lot. And 
Um, yeah, I, my, I don't know, my instincts kind of say we should have Taylor as a left back because he's the more defensive minded player. But the more I watch Montgomery, the more my mind is changing. And he's definitely offers a lot more going forward. We're a side that wants to play in the front foot. Um, and he seems to fit what Ange wants. But he's fullback, this inverted fullback type player that will get forward and create things. And yeah, like he's he, he really does look like a player for the future. I don't want to yeah. say he's I don't want to say he's the next Kieran Tierney, but <laughs> he's got potential to be a very good player for us going forward if we can nurture him in the right way. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, careful, Kevin. Careful, you get held I, to what you say. You know. I know. I mean, <laughs> you get held to account. I've realised what I've just said. So if we can just edit that. Back. Later on, that would be fine. <laughs> Don't See, worry, this, I, was, this I, was calling, I was calling Turbo the next McStay about six months ago and I'm still getting held to that. So This is the beauty of the live broadcast, isn't it? I mean, uh, coming exactly. in from Facebook, Ralston will get better and we'll learn from Juranovic. I mean, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. He's operating at the moment uh, prior to Juranovic coming in as the only right back. So uh, I think they'll push each other's game. And uh, Juranovic has to be at his best because we know we've got an able um, assistant now in, in Ralston and I think that's the way that these things flip so quickly in football. We're looking forward to Thursday night. Um, I'm going to ask everybody for a wee favour. There's a link underneath the video, regardless of where you're watching it, be it YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, and on that link, you can go in and just vote for Celtic State of Mind, as you can see on the right-hand side. Um, we had all, already previously been twice nominated for national awards. We won one of them. We've now been five times nominated. We're up for a treble. And a few of us are going to go down to London next month and hopefully bring some of the trophies up. Um, you can play a part in that by voting for a Celtic State of Mind, so please do that. Also, remember to subscribe on YouTube. You'll be in for monthly prizes, uh, signed jerseys, signed frames that I'm going to have to get reframed because one of them's just fallen off the wall and cracked around about my ears during the broadcast. Uh, we have been talking about a fairly convincing 3-0 victory over Ross County, which puts Celtic in fifth position after five league games. We are three points behind the leaders, Rangers, and I'm pretty sure that um, something will be said of that tomorrow when Hibs face Hearts. That is tomorrow, isn't it, at Tynecastle? Um, yeah, Hibs face Hearts. If Hibs win that, then you know they will certainly be the team on form and the team to beat at the moment. So it's starting to level out. Yes, we've lost two games in the first four, but I'm sure it will level out as the months progress. It's always a pleasure to have Kevin McCluskey and Laura Bradburn on the show. So thank you very much for joining me. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.